Pulp MX Network production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things moto-centric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast presented by Fly Racing and Race Tech. Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side by sides, ATVs, and street bikes. Low prices, unparalleled customer service, and free three day shipping. It's so easy to see why Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com is the trusted online source for all of you guys out there. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Rocky Mountain. And of course, Fly Racing, flyracing.com. Don't forget to go over there and check out anything that you need. If you ride a BMX bike, if you ride a dirt bike, if you ride a snowmobile, they got it. Check them out, flyracing.com. And of course, Racetech, racetech.com. Go get your suspension rebuilt and or revalved. Chris Riesenberg will take care of you. And of course, they have many... Many people over there that know a thing or two about suspension and engine. So trust me on it. Go to Racetech.com, figure out what you need, and let them know. They'll take care of you. Well, today, we are here. And we're, I I was almost going to say blessed. That's not me. So I'm going to say we are here with my good buddy. He's from Ohio, but he's been transplanted here to the desert for many, many years. Joe Aloff. And if, and it's really not. If you look at his last name, it's not really Aloff. It's O. It looks like O. That's what it looks like. But Joe was, uh, shoot, man. He has been a supercross slash motocross guy for many years. I guess he can kind of reference all that. But he has been working with me on this 2019 RMZ 450 project. So, Joe, give the people out there some feedback and some knowledge about you and your racing career. Because I think everyone's going to know you from Subway, even though it goes way farther back than that. Yep, yep. Thanks for having me. Uh, first of all, I want to start off, I'm impressed with your intro, that you are able to rattle that off. <laughs> yes. I can't see behind your little thing there, but I think you have it written down. Maybe you don't. No, it's just been doing it for That's a long time. all off memory? Yeah. I am impressed. Yeah. Very Not as dumb job. as I look, Joe. I know, I know. Good <laughs> job. Just letting the people out there know that Kiefer is dialed uh but yeah thanks for having me and uh thanks for including me on this project and as far as anything goes for myself um I'm the worst person because I hate talking about myself but uh I did race uh, professional motocross and supercross for 14 years um from 95 to 2008 I believe 14 seasons best national number uh 55 that was with Subway Honda? Yeah, I was on Subway Honda at that time. I think I was like 79, 57, and 55. Three years I was with Subway. How many national numbers did you have in your career? Like how many years? Uh, I want to say like eight or nine of the years. So over 50% of your racing years you had a national number. Yeah, That's one of those. I didn't have one when I came back from when I broke my neck and all that good stuff. But um. Yeah, I rode for Subway Honda, which most of the people know me from. I rode for uh, Upstart KTM team back in the late 90s, 1999 uh, and 2000. Back when it sucked bad. They were good back then. You rode two strokes, though, so I guess yeah. it wasn't bad. And it right? was a 125, so they were actually pretty dialed. Yeah, and so I was had a... like a, this mad scientist-type guy, mechanic, that could make anything go fast and make suspension work on anything that Who's was that? from Ohio. Um, Kurt, and I just drew a blank. I can't think of his last name. He, he was the team guy. Or was he just your guy? Uh, I started out. Well, I started out with the AM Leonard guy, and AM Leonard was a, a horticultural company, and that's like a what? <laughs> horticultural company. It's I don't like, know what uh, that means. Greenhouses. Okay. That type of stuff. Built greenhouses. Um, just that whole industry. Um, and he had a, he had two sons that rode, so he was just an enthusiast. And okay. Got, 
anyway, and uh, I wanted to start a team and got me and um, Kurt was a local guy, local KTM dealer for ever. Still, he's still there, and um, he's uh, he's been known to make some fast, fast bikes. Worked with uh, Mark Musselman for years. If anybody oh, dude, knows that name, that's I mean that's that's going back too. Musselman, yep. yeah. So that's um, like Dennis Hawthorne days and shit, dude. Oh yeah, it goes back. I mean, and I'm sure there's a million that I don't even know about that Kurt's worked with. But, you want to uh, know why I remember Musselman? <laughs> it's gonna blow your fucking mind, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I remember well, Mark Musselman, right? Yep. I remember that name because I used to sneak, you know. Flashback to my old house because you know where I live with my mom. I used to sneak um, the the cordless phone right into my bedroom when my parents were in the living room, and I used to call one nine hundred INF Moto. Do you remember that? Yep. And I remember them talking about Mark Musselman, and I was always like, "Who the hell is Mark Musselman?" So that just took me back to the one nine hundred INF Moto days, dude. That's crazy. Yeah, that's that's uh, wow, you're taking me back now. But um, did you ever call that number at ever? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you did too. Oh yeah. Every, I think everybody did. It was like two bucks a minute. Yeah, it was like so cool back then. Especially oh my god, I got like in so said, much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> when the fucking phone bill come in, dude, I would get in so much trouble. I would hear a crash. I'm like, oh shit, the phone bill came. It was like sixteen bucks in like charges yeah yeah no I, I don't think i ever got in trouble for doing it my parents always knew and they always they're like just keep it you know don't call it a bunch just only get the top five just yeah. get the top five just and get off the it, phone keep it short but <laughs> I just remember it was cool back then especially being from ohio and supercross especially it was it's the winter so you're not riding so you're just cooped up inside and to be able to find out i mean it was small and seems dumb now with all the social media and everything's hell even almost before it happens but um it was cool to get just get the result and be like, oh man, you know, you'd be the first one to know and call your buddies. Did you yeah, hear who won? Or right. No. And, yeah, and then Cycle News would come out. Anyway, yeah. we could take a whole podcast to talk like that. But, I know. Um, AM Leonard team, Team Subway Honda, Privateer, never really got on a. They didn't really have that many fill-in rides back then, did they? It wasn't really a thing, was it? No, there wasn't wasn't too many. And I just remembered Kirk's real name it was actually Kirk, not Kirk. Kirk Patel. That was okay. his name. It hit me. I knew it would. A lot of a lot of hits to the head. I forget things, and then it comes back. It's weird, but it happens. But um, but yeah, um, we had a good little team there, and we were the KTM support team in 2000. KTM had their own uh, factory team that year with uh, I think Kelly Smith, Roderick Tane, um, one of the King brothers, Shane, I think, mm. um, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, Donovan. He was on that. Unfortunately, he got hurt and was never able to uh, race again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So there's a lot of good guys, and we were like the KTM support team. There was me, Ryan Terlecki, Mark Burkhart, and Chris Wheeler. Really? Wheeler? Yep. Yep. Well, that's fitting for this podcast. Yeah, RM Army Wheeler. So Wheeler is in charge of race team uh, management, I guess. He oversees all the teams. And helps out all the Suzuki arm army riders. So, um, and so, yeah. So, just to to let everybody know, Joe now is a firefighter, correct? Yep, full time fireman. I uh, work for San Bernardino County Fire out here in California. Um, and I, I work where the county obviously is a, a big organization. Then we have um, departments in different cities throughout some cities still have their own fire department but the county handles most of the others so i work in the city of victorville right now okay so and you still love to ride i mean on your days off you have you have you know your little boy that likes to go ride with you and you guys go ride together so you're still actively riding you're not completely a piece of shit right no i well i still may be a a pos but uh, (laughs) uh no i try to get out as much as i can especially with like you said with liam He's 12 now. He's been wanting to ride more and more, so that is easier for me to get out and and go ride. But I try to stay with it and ride once or twice a week if I can. Um, so. so this podcast, basically, you guys have been on keyforinktesting.com. You guys know what this is about. Um, we wanted to have a need-only build on this 2019 RMZ 450. There is a part one and part two of this up on the site right now. But I also want to do a podcast for you guys that like to do this kind of thing and got the earbuds in at work 
and want to hear what we've done. So my thoughts were was to get with Joe, give him this bike. I kind of know what I would want out of the bike, but let Joe kind of dissect it, what he would want. Joe works for a living. I like to keep my stuff over here blue-collar related. Like, I, I didn't grow up with a lot of money. Joe didn't grow up with a lot of money. We kind of respect that, hey, each part that you stick on a bike costs, you know, you and your family some money. So we wanted to keep it on on a budget and see if we could uh, get this sucker in the realm of of a first or second place shootout bike, you know, because in the shootout it was Yamaha and Kawasaki 1 and 2. You can go purchase a Suzuki, even a 2018 for that matter, for like six grand in some areas. So we wanted to do this build and see if we can get close to the 10K, 11K mark, which would be the same as a Yamaha if you wouldn't purchase it from a dealer. You're going to spend 10K. So we gave the bike to Joe, let him ride it, stock. So what do you think of the bike stock? Like, how do you like it? And and I guess we should preface, Joe, you have a, what year KTM? Uh, I have a 17 and a half, the factory edition. So he so. rides a KTM normally. So we can kind of compare in, in this podcast, we will. We'll, I'll shoot him questions as like, hey, how does it compare to your KTM? So riding this 19 bone stock, what do you think of it? Uh, it's just okay. It's not, it's, not, uh, it's not an exciting bike. Like it doesn't have great power that blows your mind. Um, it doesn't have, you know, killer suspension. Um, it just kind of is okay. Uh, it turns great. So which, you, that still is a good, you know, good yeah. aspect of this bike. Yeah, which, you know, for me, like, if I don't ride a lot, you know, I'm not keeping up on my skills and this and that, corners for me kind of, because I want to do them good as I used to when I was practicing and racing and all that stuff, but, you know, sometimes I can't. So to, to hop on a bike and have a corner kind of effortlessly is good. Um, but that's really the only thing that really stands out about the bike. Everything else is kind of just vanilla and vi yeah, vanilla. I was going to say in your terms, vanilla. Yeah. So, which um, isn't bad. Vanilla ice cream is good. You go to the freezer, you get vanilla ice cream. It's not bad. You, yeah. You'll eat it. Yeah. So, but it's just not great. It's not the best thing you could get. Right. So, um, I mean, I, you know, all the bikes are good these days. You know, I, I think you and I both probably grew up during a time where, uh, from year to year you know you could have a couple years of whatever bike was just horrible and then the next year you know maybe they changed it after a few years and it became good but this year uh and probably heck i don't even know last 10 years all the bikes are really really good right. stock right it just you know now that you set that standard so high like all of them are really good now everybody gets picky and this and that and i think it comes down to you know kind of what you prefer for you, you know, to be able to make your decision. So, so yeah. So the Suzuki finished sixth, and it was a sixth place, you know, in the points far back. Um, but to me, it makes sense if you're on a budget, you want to get in the sport, you know, and you kind of know how to ride already a little bit. And a four fifty, a four fifty is in your realm, and it could be an option for you to purchase. The Suzuki is a good purchase. It doesn't mean it's a piece of shit because it got sixth place in our shootout just means it needs to do some you know the rider you know the consumer needs to do some work on this thing to make it competitive if you want to call it that with the first or second place type of bike so we gave the bike to joe you got it what was the first thing that you wanted to do that it needed right away um for me i needed to do the suspension right away um like i said i don't ride as much as i used to and i, I still think i can go fast no you can still go fast people <laughs> it's just not for the duration of what you could do right yeah. yeah i mean i don't you know i don't think once you get to a certain speed i don't think you ever fully lose it but um for me being older now and i got to go to work on the next day or whatever it may be um i got to be comfortable and if i'm on something that i don't feel comfortable on uh going fast then i need to get that fixed first so that's what i concentrated on first and uh we did the suspension. Uh, Bones is a good friend of mine from Pro Circuit, so he's the first guy I called, and uh, he goes, "Yep, I got a setup. We can start trying stuff whenever you're ready." So, how many settings you guys go through? Um, he had one that I believe maybe Pingree Road, if I remember right, uh, and I tried that one. It was really good, and then we just we made based off of what we, you know, clickers directions we went that day 
he built another shock for me and I stuck with the, the forks the first set of forks we just adjusted them tried some different things clicker wise and uh, they were they were good the shock first shock he had was good and he goes you know what with the direction you're going I think I can make it a little better so he made some changes and we tested it another day out at Glen Helen um, I think before the vet national on a Friday the track was super rough and yeah I can concur to that yeah <laughs> but um, and it was a lot better so um, so yeah. how did that so how's the balance now because I guess that for me when riding the bike that was the one thing that was off on it you know um, the shock is a problem and you and I both know this mm-hmm. um, the fork a little soft initially you know stock but with the shock it always seeds to unload on diesel always wants to kick up acceleration wasn't so bad so i guess how did pro circuit and bones get the balance correct like how does that compare to the stock one yeah and i totally agree on the stock one it always kind of had that stink bug feel a little soft and divey in the front um so that's what we first concentrated on with the forks you know they needed to stay up in the stroke going into corners um be able to absorb big hits you know if i you know landed on the front wheel whatever um needed to be able to do all that um so we concentrated on that and that's actually the first thing we tried bolting it on you know i rode the the bike stock for a few laps and bone said okay take the forks off put the forks on tried it got them a little dialed in and that immediately made the bike feel balanced um and in in turn kind of those shock issues you mentioned of kicking um unloading kind of fixed that because it wasn't so soft in the middle and had all that weight on the front end so once we did that then uh then he threw the shock on and then did you take it a step further i guess with the link yep so that was was that after how did you guys work that out as a as far as testing process you put suspension revalve suspension on first and then went to the link or did you do it all at once no we did it kind of piece by piece and that's usually how bones has done it with me um so started with the forks like i said and then he goes okay let's try the shock um, got the shocked out in, tried a couple different setups with um, changing like high speed clicker or I guess it's not high speed on that shock, but um, messing with compression and then doing a different, you know, sag went from like 102, 105 and then messed with some things. And, he, and then after that, we got it dialed in working pretty good. Um, he goes, OK, let's try the link arm. And then we kind of ran through, you know, trying this, trying that same series of of uh, different sag um, just in the compression clicker, you know, and, and getting it to where I felt good with it. What did the link, I guess for people that are going to email me or talk to me at the track, like what does the link do once you put it on? Like what did that do on the track for you? Uh, it, it takes the first, took the first part of the stroke and makes it a, a little stiffer. So say if you get some like sand whoops or any kind of, um, uh, I guess I can say undulating. Yeah. Um, kind of just some you don't roll. want the, the bike to wallow right well, yeah. if you get some rolly terrain or whatever and you get down in those g out areas uh with the stock link it kind of would wallow a little bit and just give you that uneasy feeling and um especially if it's like rutted in the bottom or something and uh once we did that with the link it it just controls that first part of the stroke and makes it a little i don't want to say firm but a little more controlled going down it doesn't have that wallow feel at all yeah, and so what Joe's trying to tell you, so you guys listening out there, is you're, you're coming out of a corner, you're accelerating, um, you have some some rollers, okay? Let's say you have some, some deep rollers at the track. Instead of having that rear end squat too low and then release up and kind of get you off and, and make you shut off the, the throttle, just feels, I guess, a little bit more connected to the ground. Which when And he's talking about being at firm, and firm doesn't necessarily mean a harsh feeling or stiff. It just means sometimes when they when it's done right, firm means straighter, less movement. And that is key in, in dirt bike world, I guess, because yeah. you don't want the bike to do different kind of shit each lap. You know, you want to do the same thing every lap. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, for me, like going through any kind of rollers or sand whoops or really anything, if a bike does the same thing every lap, you know what it's going to do. And I want to go straight and have it soak up bumps and, you know, keep me in a straight line and and like with the the right setup like you said a bike will do that so that's one of the most important things is to get your suspension dialed you know obviously we talk about engine 
and we will talk about that. But in the world of the 450s, guys, chassis and suspension is huge. You got a lot of horsepower already to work with on a 450, no matter if you think or shit what we think, right, is slow in the 450 world. It's still a fast motorcycle. So get your chassis set up on this RMZ first. You know, Bones has been around a long time. Joe knows him more than I do, but he is very particular in what he does. He's been working with this shock for a long time. I know he's done a lot of work with MXA, even though I'm not a big fan of MXA. I got to know, I got to understand like, hey, he's been around this thing for a while. So he kind of knows the ins and outs of it, even though this shock, the Showa um, BFRC is kind of new for us as the consumer. So uh, Bones knows his way around it. And of course, we all know that he is not at Pro Circuit. He's retired, right? But he has bones, <laughs> yeah. Somewhat, I guess. Yeah, he's retired. I don't. I don't think he's full time at the shop. I don't think he's full time uh, with the team. I think he's still. He'll do like special project stuff like this, right? Um, and he, you know, is still kind of uh, a liaison with the team. You know, obviously. So his settings still exist in the world of pro circuit down there, right? Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, any kind of special project or, or any kind of thing they need to run through. If a new new bike comes out, new chassis, new suspension, whatever, then he'll he'll be involved. And I think that's the stuff he likes to do. Right. And maybe that's what he's, you know, his retirement, you know, is maybe he just goes, oh, I'm going to do the stuff I like to do. Right. Well, also, he's not traveling every week, which will kill you, right? So Yeah. He's um, just fishing. All right. he does is fish. Yeah. And trust me, I seen him bicycling one day. I was bicycling one day, and I saw him fishing. And uh, I, I went to stop and unclip and say hi to him. And the first words out of his mouth is, I don't want to talk about dirt bikes. I'm like, roger that. <laughs> I'm not talking about dirt bikes. I'm talking about fishing. So, yeah, yeah. That's the easiest way to get him off the phone is when he was with the team. He was like, hey, so how'd the weekend go? Oh, okay, Joe, I got to go. I'm like, all right, see ya. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So keeping up with the, the chassis slash rider comfort cockpit feel. Before we get moving on to anything else, let's talk about the bar setup thing that we we talked about. You, we went back and forth on handlebars. Mm-hmm. Um, you felt like you needed a little different rider triangle on this. So, tell us why you went to a different handlebar setup on this bike. Yeah, initially, uh, like with the stock bar, um, it kind of feels, especially jumping around off of my bike, my KTM, and and like when we did the shootout, jumping from bike to bike. This bike immediately just felt like the front end was was low. I felt like I was leaning forward too far um, when I rode it. So I thought, oh, okay, well, if I get a little taller bar, that'll fix that. No problem. And I usually run the standard bar I ran was like the Wyndham bend, whatever. Pro for, taper, Wyndham. Yeah, yeah, pro taper. Yeah. I mean, forever, as long as I can remember. And uh, so I called up Paul Pro Taper and said, yeah, send me this. And the, the pro taper bend, and I rode it. And I rode it for probably... I don't know, maybe three or four days, and I just didn't feel right. I'm like, man, something is wrong. Like, I couldn't turn it. It didn't have that same turning feel, which I was like, well, I can't get rid of that. And then uh, it just didn't feel right. And so I talked to you, and that's when you kind of gave me the uh, the advice of, well, maybe different bars. You know, maybe you need to try something else. And I kind of was like, ah, I don't know. And then I thought about <laughs> it a little bit and uh, called Paul back, and he was like, yeah, yeah, I'll send you, you know, a different bend so i went with the i think it was the husqvarna stock bend yep and um which was closer to what was on it what came on at stock so once i did that i got that feel back right and i was like okay i had to call you and grovel a little bit that's just okay because i'm super anal about bars uh a rider triangle for me i'm i could sit there and play with bar height and widths and angles for a long time I sit in the garage and Heather bitches at me you coming in no I'm still playing bars so I kind of know I've been around and the new way of doing things lately is getting the height from the bar mount itself instead of having a a, a big rise in the handlebar because that hurts you when you go to to sit down and and set up for your corner which you experience so the Wyndham bar is a taller bar from Pro Tapers Joe went to Husqvarna stock what comes stock on the rockstar edition and you know the husky so um did you cut your bars i didn't okay so I did not husqvarna stock bend if i'm not mistaken is 8 11 millimeters 
I cut mine down to 804. That's me personally. Joe, you are how tall? Uh, 5'10". 5'10". I'm six foot. Not much difference. So it's just a preference thing for you guys out there. If you end up going to this bar, ride it first. See if you like it. feels a little bit long. Go to 804 and it'll kind of help your cornering. So Joe doesn't notice it. He thought it was better. Well, I actually did. I mean, when I first got him on there, I'm used to him now. And that that's kind of like I, I'm not – I'm probably the opposite of you. You just ride it. <laughs> Yeah, and that's why I got those bars. I've had them for 20 years, put them on there, I line them up with the forks, and I, and I run it. That's the way I've always been. But um, with that, when I put them on, I was like, oh, these are a little wide feeling. I thought, well, maybe it's just because they're lower, straighter, whatever. So I just rode them. And I'm used to them now, but I think here eventually I'm going to cut them down and see what that does. Right, and you stick some different levers on. That's just preference or from durability standpoint or what? Yeah, I just wanted to, uh, you know, everybody – well, I actually had the bike stock. I was riding it, and it was a super windy day down at Glen Helen, and it blew off the stand. Oh, you did? I was actually at a fire police race. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to try this bike out on one day. And it was like 60-mile-an-hour wind, something stupid. And it blew off the stand, and I broke the <laughs> front you know, front lever. Right. Luckily, I had a little stub that I could still use my one finger on. But Whoa. So once I did that, I was like, okay, well, let's try some, some levers and, and, you know, and the pro taper levers offer a lot of adjustability with reach and, and obviously, you know, fall over and, and they pivot and blah, 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 like all the new ones do. And, and they're really good. Um, and the, like the, the clutch lever has the adjust on the fly deal and the so shape's just, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like I said, I'm not, you know, I just get used to kind of get used to whatever's on there. So once I rode with it once, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and then, uh, so that was comfort there. What else did I do? Grips. Um, I think as you, you put in the uh, the first part of it, I have the, the sissified hands now that I don't ride. So Yeah. Um, Soft waffle or medium? The third waffle? Yep. The third, uh, I guess third. It's the third. It used to so, be half yeah, Pro waffle. Taper offers half and thirds, so yeah. in case you guys didn't know. I always ran like half waffle medium when I was racing. Um, and if I run half waffle medium now, my hands are torn up. Okay. So I went with the soft uh, third waffle. So, and it was actually a little, little different and I, you know, I love them. They're like freaking pillows and I don't get blisters. And so I was dialed in on that. Okay. So moving on to this need only build, we went to, obviously we're at pro circuit for suspension. So we're sticking with that theme and we went with the pro circuit exhaust. So now this is a hard, this is a tough subject for me because a lot of these bikes, um, with stock exhaust are really good. Let's take, for instance, the, the Yamaha YZ450F. Great stock engine, great stock muffler. I put some other aftermarket mufflers on, and, and the engine feeling is worse. I have to really dial in with inserts and type of things to get the power that I want to make more than stock. So slapping on this Pro Circuit, where does it help or does it help the Suzuki? Yeah, it definitely helps. I, I don't think the Suzuki is one of those bikes that um, you're going to have that problem with, you know, with the stock exhaust. Um, it needs power. Uh, the the Pro Circuit exhaust kind of boosted the power everywhere, gave it more pull down low, a better recovery, you know, so you, you know, miss a shift, or you're in deep conditions. Stock one kind of, if you don't get your shifts right or whatever, it'll kind of bog down in between shifts. Um, helped all that. Um, mid to top pole was improved. So kind of bumped everything up on the whole power curve. Right. Um, and then just all around better, obviously a little lighter. Um, and you ran an insert in yours, correct? Yeah. I tried it without, I tried it with, obviously they come with spark arrestor. I tried it with that and it's obviously a little quieter, a little choked down, but the, the throttle response is better with it. Right. So I took it out and then, uh, it's obviously louder, um, not as choked down. Still has the same power. You know, it seems a little more free revving. But I lost a little bit of that that down low snappiness and throttle response. throttle response. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So did you end up cutting the spark arrestor out of it and then sticking the insert back in? I did. Okay. I did. So That's... really easy to do, guys. I've done that with other mufflers, not just Pro Circuit. I've done that with FMF. Same thing. Even on YZ450F. Uh, I've, the muffler that I helped kind of help FMF build for this YZ450 
the insert is put in and I just shave the, the screen off and it has that same kind of thing like RPM response touch kind of keeps that excitement down low, which you need on a Suzuki. Yep. Yeah, because yep. you want to stay on top of the dirt, not in, in it. Yeah, yeah. So putting that in there and it got that, you know, kept that kind of free revving, you know, not as choked down feel, but gave me this, the throttle response back. So I was like, okay, we're dialed there. So we talked about after you put the muffler on, kind of like stage two process was, ah, man, we still need a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Y- you know, you've ridden some of my test bikes. You get back on yours. Like, I just need a little bit more excitement, more roll-on, just more meat in general. We've been riding together, and there's some some jumps out of corners that you struggled still a little bit to do on this bike, and it wasn't related to rider. It was just related to straight-up engine. Um, you rode my bike, and it was much easier for you to do these certain jumps. So we decided, hey, let's let's try a piston. So yep. pro circuit again. Yep. Um like I like I, I told Bones, I'm like, okay, hey, this is good. Muffler's better, or the exhaust is better. We need, we still need a little more. So he goes, okay, we'll go talk to Mitch. Went in, talked to Mitch, and Mitch is like, oh man, we can do a piston. We can do, you know, we'll port the head. We'll do all this stuff. So they were more than willing to to jump on and and give it the the works treatment. But like you said, you know, you wanted to keep this kind of within a budget um, for the kind of everyday average guy. And uh, I said, no, let's just try the piston first see what it does and then we'll go from there so um, do we know what compression ratio is yet on this i do not I, i'll have to find out so if you guys are listening to this you want to know obviously pro circuit has a piston that's what it is but if you guys want to know the compression hit me up i'll try to get an answer for you guys yeah it may it may be on the website i started the to look the other pump day gas but, though right yeah pump gas so don't need to run race gas yeah so, so pump putting gas this, putting this piston in what did it do Again, took the power, pretty much the whole power curve, um, and bumped it up even more. We had better better low-end response, um, good mid. And the, the biggest spot where I noticed it was kind of the mid to top pole. Like once, you know, I grabbed third gear going on a straightaway, it just had that pole, like that feeling like, okay, now we're going somewhere. Like some torque feel. Yeah, that torque. You, yeah. Could, you could actually, you know, it wasn't unnoticeable. It was like, oh, shoot, here we go. So, um uh, and then it, you know, it pulled to the moon on top end. Um, Did you notice any added engine braking once installed or, or no? no? I didn't notice really any of that, um, which I was kind of like, eh, because the bike, you know, we'll, we'll probably get to the heavy feel a little bit later. But um, stock wise, it has kind of that heavy feel because of the, the power is kind of mellow and right. blah and is a little heavier. But um, so braking was kind of like, and I guess with the suspension throwing it forward, it makes it feel like there is some engine braking there really wasn't a whole lot so i was kind of aware of that and um with the piston it didn't didn't really do anything with that so we got a little bit out of torque and overall horsepower with the muffler and piston we're moving on just to some reliability issues that we uh or even getting the power to the ground we moved on to a henson clutch Mm -hmm. and you felt like that was important with this I'm trying to think of the word here. Joe, you're gnarly when it comes to bikes. Like you can roach some bikes out. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, when so you, I was you maybe. Use your clutch. Yeah, I clutch. I try not to. I try not to. I, but I think when I was maybe five, my dad yelled at me and said, "You know, you could f up a tank." And I was, <laughs> as a kid, I was like, I don't know what that means. But obviously, later in life, I figured it out. But yeah, I, I am hard on the clutch. Probably from the two-stroke days. Um. So for me, the stock feel with the clutch is just kind of like, for lack of better words, just soft. Right. It doesn't really have a good like feel as far as, you know, engagement when it engages. Yeah, exactly. Um, It just feels like it's mushy and, and I don't know. It just doesn't, I don't like it. I I always kind of ran heavier springs uh, like on when I was on two strokes. And I think even when I was on some of my four fifties, just to give me that solid feel. Um, help help me on starts and things like that so um so yeah called henson and uh they sent a whole uh clutch outer basket inner basket pressure plate fibers um plates and uh springs springs. i think they're a little stiffer springs and then uh obviously the cover yeah so what this does just for me it just gives me a more positive engagement uh as also Henson's well known for durability. To me, 
dragging is less. Also, lifespan of the plates is better. What I do like about this setup, it gives me a little bit more of a linear feeling out of a corner with the clutch. It's, it's the, the Suzuki clutch isn't so much on and off like, let's say, uh, a Brembo is on a KTM, but I just feel like the engagement, like you said, was a little bit narrow, and I wanted a little bit wider of engagement, which this kit does. So I guess I haven't been riding it lately. You're still on the same pack and everything, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which says something to me. <laughs> yeah. Because, like I said, if you're on the stock pack, I don't think you'd be – I think you'd be changing out the plates by now. Yeah, I – I could notice, I probably noticed in, I don't know, maybe three rides that the stock one was starting to slip. And right. so I was like, okay, but, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I'm not easy on the clutch. I don't think I'm horrible. I probably was horrible one time, but I'm not easy on the clutch and it's lasted this long. Um, still feels like I just put it in. So, I mean, obviously Henson's, they know what they're doing. Yeah. They've been around for a while. People always, I just did a review on torque drive recluse and the Henson on the Honda. It's a preference, guys. They're both really good systems. We went with the Henson on Suzuki. Like I said, it's it's proven. It's been on the race team bikes for years when Suzuki was on factory equipment, when they had their factory team. That's what they went with. So um, we know that it's a good product. So that's one of the things. If you want to add a little bit of durability to your Suzuki, look into a Henson clutch kit. Yes, it is a little spendy. I think that was one of the more spendy things that we we did. It's probably close to a grand for a whole kit, but it'll probably pay off, pay for itself in the long run going through less plates. You're going to order a, you know, fiber steel springs. You're going to pay 100 to 150 bucks, and then you're going to go through a shit ton of those versus what you're going to go through the Henson. So, yeah, especially depending that. on how you are on the clutch. If you ride in the sand tracks a lot, that thing will go out and, you know, probably within a week if it's yeah. stock. So, right. Hey, what's up? Technology. That's what I'm talking about here. It's a great thing. I love it. But I also can pull my hair out with it as well. However, there is a company that you probably have seen on the Rockstar Husqvarna race team, Dean Wilson, Jason Anderson, called Skosh. It's spelled S-C-O-S-C-H-E. You can go to skosh.com and check out all the products. They have really, really cool stuff. They have headphones. They have boom bottles. They have... Phone chargers for your Droid, your iPhone. They have magic mounts. They have wireless chargers. They have huge cables that will reach all the way across your house if you need a charger and you don't have an outlet close, like my house. I don't have that many outlets. They just have a bunch of cool products to make your life easier when you're out in the garage, when you're in your car, when you're at your house. Just I'm really, really pumped to have these guys on board because they sent me some stuff. I use it all the time. My favorite thing is the Boom Buoy. It's a speaker that floats on the water. I can hang out in the pool in the backyard, listen to my music. I'm a big music guy. So they just make really cool stuff that makes my life easier. So founded in 1980, Skosh Industries is a Ventura-based, Southern California, of course, Award-winning innovator of consumer technology, power sports, and car audio products. Don't forget, car audio. You're traveling, you're sitting in traffic. You guys need to check them out, skosh.com. Committed to delivering the superior products that we all want, quality and functionality, exceptional value, and unmatched customer service. The designers and engineers at Skosh develop products that reflect a rich heritage in audio and mobile technology. Skosh finds inspiration in the California lifestyle, culture, music, and people. These influences can be seen in accessories and products that are now in the hands of homes, offices, vehicles, and people all over the world. 50 countries, okay? Hundreds of patents, trademarks, and countless industry awards received. It's easy to see why Skosh is constantly at the forefront of technology. These guys are cool. They're huge motorcycle enthusiasts. They even gave us a product code, SCOKT25. That's SCOKT25. Use that code when you go to skosh.com. Get 25% off. Seriously, guys, go check them out. You won't ever get it. If you want to hit me up, chris at keyforinktesting.com. I'll let you know more. But very cool guys over there. Thanks, Skosh. Skosh.com. Have you guys checked out bloodlubricants.com? If you haven't, bludlubricants.com. Go check them out. 
three new series of oils, Blood Power Sport Series, the Blood Racing Pro Series, and the Blood Racing Pro Elite Series. I have Michael Allen here with me. We've been doing two different types of oils in our test bike. Mike has been doing the Blood Power Sport Series. Everything going good there? Everything's going good. I use it in all our test bikes, the ones that I prep and maintain, and uh, it runs a little cooler than production oils, and uh, I know you've done some testing with that. Yeah, so basically before Jeff and the guys came on board, I had to check legitimacy of this stuff because um, I didn't want no crap involved in key ring testing. Um, honestly, tried it. Was very surprised about the oil. Did some temperature readings. It was little over 30 degrees cooler in my YZ450F compared to some other oils I've been running. So the stuff is good. They sponsor over 250 racers from Enduro, Enduro Cross, Hair Scrambles, UTVs, Supercross now. They got some Supercross guys. So go check them out, bloodlubricants.com. Use the discount code KEFER and get some percentage off your oils. They'll ship them to you. Probably get a hat or two. You know, Jeff's a good dude. Go check them out, bloodlubricants.com. Thanks to the guys over at 6D Helmets. That's right. They are on board with the KieferInkTesting.com, Kiefer Tested Podcast. We thank them for joining us. You have a street bike, a dirt bike, or do you pedal? You have a mountain bike. Head over to 6DHelmets.com. Check out the full line of helmets they offer. I'm sure they have a helmet for you. Hey, I get questions all the time. Kiefer, what helmet would you choose if you could pick one to buy? If you're going to spend your own money, Kiefer, where are you going? While there are a lot of helmets that are safe out there, okay, I do feel the safest in a 6D helmet. I've had many crashes in my ATR1. I've had a couple in my ATR2, and it has done its job. It's advanced ODS technology. It's race-proven. I'm telling you guys, and it's light. The new ATR2, it comes in at 1,480 grams. It's fully rebuildable. Very cool colorways. I trust the guys over at 6D Helmets. Maybe you guys should too. Hit me up over at chris at keferinktesting.com. Maybe get a special discount code if you want to get a 6D. So please, guys, go check them out. 6D Helmets, hit me up. Tell me how you like yours. And if you don't have one, maybe go get one. Thanks, 6D. Screenprintingdone.com. You guys looking to make up some shirts, hoodies, or hats? With a logo on it, or maybe you want a logo made up for your business and you want to transfer that over to some t-shirts, go to screenprintingdone.com. Neil over there is a writer. He owns the company. He is a rad human being, and he is here to hook you guys up. Order 12 shirts and get 10 for free. They have all different kinds of shirts, hoodies, hats, different fabrics, all different kinds of stuff. Go hit them up. ScreenPrintingDone.com. Tell them Kiefer sent you and get 10 free shirts. Be sure to say Kiefer. That's right, Kiefer and ScreenPrintingDone.com. Go check them out. Thanks, Neil. And uh, it's funny, too, about clutches. I see a lot of guys at the track, man, and I hear their bikes. I'm like, dude, that guy's clutch is fried. <laughs> And yeah. then I go and talk to him, and I'm like, hey, man, do you, got, you know your clutch is smoked? He's like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, yeah, dude, like, get some plates. So I'll see the guy a couple weeks later. Dude, I can't believe how much horsepower my bike has. It's so freaking much horsepower. I'm like, yeah, bro, your clutch is fucked. Like, you got to <laughs> you gotta know things. So if you feel a drag and that drag is prolonged out of a corner, if you're, if you're coming out of a corner and your bike's going, eh, your clutch is done. Like, you might get a little slipping, you know, during a longer mode, you might go, eh, and then your clutch will grab. But if it's long and you feel like it's never grabbing, dude, it's time to get a new plate. So look at Henson. They make quality products. Having a basket, a billet basket, is also key. And I guess I really want to touch on this because stock baskets don't last a long time. They get notchy. Then you go, oh, say, you know, I'm just going to go put some plates in. Yeah. It might be good for a little while, but those notches get in there and there's a little bit of slop. You're still going to have some drag or slippage. So always pay attention to the prongs on your outer basket and feel that. Put your finger in there. Easy. Yeah, easy. 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 <laughs> Put your finger in the prong, right? And then feel the, the divots. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. Jesus, that was good. Thank yeah. God, Henson. But on, on that, we'll get back on track here. Um, I, I for... 
forever when I was younger. Like I said, I didn't grow up with a lot of money. I had to make things work. If I bent my bars, dad would get the big pry bar out and straighten them and be like, all right, kid, make it work. So I couldn't always put a new clutch in my bike, you know, every weekend or whatever. Um, so I had to make stuff last and uh, finding good quality, you know, plates or fibers or, or baskets is is really key for me. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I'm honest. I don't like working on bikes. I don't like changing my oil all that much. So you want if to do I it could, less as much as possible. Yeah, less yeah. is more for me. Yeah. I, I don't. I just want to ride them like everybody else. You but know, you know what my dad did with clutches back in the day? Uh, it burnt. Yeah. Sand it down. Fucking a. He would yeah. go to the glass beater and glass bead the steels. Yep. And glass bead the steels. You're good to go, son. Get yep. out there. Yep. And it was still drag, but. <laughs> Hey, hey, it lasted another couple of weeks. Exactly, exactly. Yep, you got to so stretch we, it. We get it. So let's do to something a little different here. Go back into chassis. Let's talk about these FCP mounts. I yep. did some stuff on the Honda with them, Yamaha. Um, but you met this guy, Chris, from FCP out at the track. He said, hey, you're going to try these things. So you tried them, and what, what did it do? Yeah, I met Chris. I was riding out at Milestone one day, um, and I didn't know who he was. So, Chris, if you hear this, I apologize if I was kind of rude at first, you know. <laughs> what a dick. Yeah, I, I was – I don't know if – I won't say I was a dick. Maybe I was. <laughs> I don't know. But I was just – you know, people walk up to you say, hey, man, I got this stuff. And you're like, ah, yeah, whatever. Fuck, here, know, we go, yeah, here we go, Here we go. Everybody, you know. So I was. I may have been like that in the beginning, but once he told me who he was and what they had, I'm like, oh, okay. So um, he said, let's put these on and try them. And uh, I kept wanting to get a better feel, like entering corners, that initial turn in. Because I, I always hop in behind Chris here at the tracks, and, and he freaking pulls away from me in about the matter of a, two laps. Yeah, see, I'm going to take this right now because I, I can't – I couldn't even touch Joe. When he when I was racing, he was racing, I was not even good. It's not true. I wasn't near – you were smoking me. Go to the glass factory. That and doesn't I, count. I, I racing. We're run. talking about racing-wise. Uh, okay. All right, go ahead. But anyway, I would try to keep up, and he freaking pulls away, and I kept getting pissed because it was all in the corners. And if anybody kids are listening, jump for show, corner for dough is, is so true. So he would corner and just – it was the initial turn-in where he was killing me. And I'm like, man, I just don't have that comfort. Maybe it was because I don't ride. I don't know. But So I was looking for that. I put these mounts on. Probably within the first three corners when I got up to speed, I was like, oh, there it is. That's what I've been looking for. It kind of took the chassis from being this rigid, I don't know, kind of. It's a stiff feeling chassis. It felt like a block, like I was on a block. Yeah. And uh, I put these mounts on. It kind of freed everything up, you know. So are you on top and bottom mounts? Initially, it was just the top. Okay. The first day, it was just the top. And I noticed it because he didn't have a bottom one. He goes, I don't have one with me. Obviously, he wasn't planning on meeting me out there. So he put the top on, and I, I noticed it initially. I'm like, oh, that's way better. And um, so I had that initial turn in. And if, say, going through a, a long corner that's choppy, and like we get out here at 2, 3 in the afternoon in California, corner's all choppy and dry. And if you don't have a bike that's handling through there, it makes the corner miserable. So we had that. I kind of had a little bit of like harsh feeling before I put these on. It just kind of soaked those up and made them, you know, kind of non-existent. Um, and then coming out, helped the rear end kind of stay glued to the ground on the, the acceleration chop. And um, I don't know, it was way better. So then a couple weeks later, I got in touch with him again. And I got, um, again, out at Milestone, I met a buddy of his out there. He gave me the, the bottom ones to put those on. And it was just even more of that same feeling. Freed it up a little more. And um, just kind of added to the whole package of, of comfort. Did it? Was there any negative to it? I didn't feel any negative. I kind of thought, well, maybe, you know, with, with these aluminum chassis, it takes, I don't know how many hours it is, but it takes a few hours for them to actually break in. Right, right. So maybe uh, the, the frame could get a little too mushy. So Once like, it breaks in, but I haven't felt that yet. I okay. think I'm at like 20 plus hours on that frame. Um, Which and then if you have that much time on it, it had just over almost almost 10 on it when you got it from the shootouts yeah. and stuff. Mm -hmm. So we're working about 30 some hours on a on a bike, so it should be broken in. Yeah. So yeah, I don't. You know, I would be it'd be interesting to get it on some kind of a deep 
super soft sand track. Um, now that we're getting a bunch of rain out here in California, maybe we'll be able to find something like that. Um, but yeah, I haven't noticed any negatives yet. So that's pretty much it that we've done, right? Besides um, obviously tires, we use some Dunlop tires. Yep, Dunlop tires. Sprockets, I did put, chains. Yeah, Pro Taper, sprocket and chains just for obviously better looks. Stock and, gearing. Yeah, I stayed with stock gearing. Um, you don't and, feel like it, you need to gearing change? You're good with stock stock ratio? I thought about going one bigger on the back, and I, I remember I talked with Easy, you about it. Easy, Jody. Like, I know. Um, but I just don't think it would get the change that I was looking for. Um, so I didn't do that. I just stayed with stock. Um, we did put the Pro Taper hour meter on there. And that thing, I, like I said, I'm not a mechanic. So you literally peel the sticker and put it on your frame and then yeah, it's vibration, works off right? vibration. Easy, Kiefer. Yep, yep. I like that. Yep. Um, I noticed you got empty Pro Taper hour meter boxes laying all over your, over your house, but <laughs> we're not going to get into that. Um <laughs> But anyway, you put I the thing change, on there. I got to change Heather's out, dude. It's yeah, time for Heather well, new top in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not, you know, I like Heather. I'm not even going to go there with you. <laughs> Keep it PG with Heather. Uh, so yeah, it's, and honestly, what Joe's saying for the hour meter deal, it's it's good for you to know how much time is on your bike when you can change some things out. It's just good to have that. Like I see a lot of guys that buy new bikes, and I go, hey, how many hours on it? Like ah, I think it's like I don't know four. Well. Just fucking buy an hour meter, dude. Yeah. It's easy. You slap it on. Like Joe said, it works off a of vibration, and you know exactly how much time is on your bike. So when you want to do a top in or or whatever, anything, any kind of maintenance, you have exact time. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have any issues with it, with the, the ghost hours that people were claiming on, like, I live on a dirt road. So, and it's good for me. Like you said, you have an hour. Oh, that's true. That's specific hours. That. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. So the vibration on the washboard dirt road from your house, it doesn't click it on. I never had any problem with that. I know in some of the reviews people had said that. Okay. So I don't know if, you know, maybe they fixed it, updated it, whatever, but I didn't have any issues with it. It stayed accurate and I paid attention to it, obviously. Um, but yeah, for me, like I said, I don't like working on bikes. So I'd be that guy to be like, ah, you know what? I probably need to do a clutch or I need to do an oil change. And I'm like, uh, you know what? I think I got eight, ten hours on it. You know, let's just let it go, and then it turns into two rides, three rides, and then you're freaking twenty hours into the ride, and you haven't changed your oil. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, it's good insurance just to have. It's cheap. It's not that much money. Just spend the money. Pro Taper has them. Works Connection has them. All, all, all different kinds. So, yep. choose your choose which one you want to do. If you want to vibe, you know, just want to slap on like Joe did in vibration. Pro Taper. If you want something you need to wire up, there's Works Connection. So. Um, whatever you, whatever you guys want to do out there. Anything else that we've missing? Mm. I'm looking up here and I think that's pretty much it, but we did talk about what we want to do maybe for the next step, mm -hmm. which is maybe an ignition, right? Because I still want, if I'm being picky, yeah, let's be picky. Yeah. Cause we get to be picky with these project things. Um, I want a little more snap off bottom. To get rid of that, still has a bit of a heavy feel. Like compared, you know, like you were saying before, compared to my KTM, just weird little instances where you kind of hop up. Say you got a single into a corner or something, you kind of hop off of it and get into a rut. Hop off on my KTM and I land, and it's right in the in the rut with with the uh, the Suzuki. Hop off and I kind of land and want to get to get on the the gas. It's not right there snappy like i want it and i'm not talking like rip my arms off just kind of that's super responsive right yeah connection with the throttle you know and um i think if we got that it would get rid of that kind of heavy feel and those kind of weird little situations so so that would be good we're going to try to get either a get or a vortex for this bike to see how see what it does and if it's worth it you know we will let you guys know obviously if it's uh we get it and it's not worth a shit and it doesn't make a you know, a $700 difference because that's what a, those ignitions are. We'll let you guys know. But let's let's get to the question I think that I want to know and a, a lot of people out there probably would like to know is, is it better than your bike? Is, is this Suzuki now that you have, that what everything's done to it, is it better than your KTM 450 that's in your garage? I would say... And then after you answer that question, I want to ask you another question. Go ahead. Oh, boy. Here we go. Yeah. I would say 
I feel better on it. I, I started riding it and I was putting some time on it and I thought, oh, okay, I feel good on this thing. And then I rode my KTM and I felt better on it. Better on, on, on my KTM. KTM. Okay. I'm like, okay. And then we did, I think that was before the piston. So I kind of was like, okay, I know I got more power, but I was trying to compare things and keep it apples to apples. And I just felt a little better on my KTM. And I thought, well, maybe that's due to me riding it for over a year. And I'm just now getting on this, this Suzuki. So once we got more things done and we got it really dialed in and I rode it more, I got back on my KTM and I didn't feel as good. I don't know if I was faster. I didn't need lap times or anything like that. I know I was still fast on my KTM. And then I just, I can tell you one thing. I felt 10 times better in the corners. With the Suzuki. With the Suzuki than I did my KTM. Okay. And, um, and then that is just how... I guess, how is that? Is it the layover process? Is it in the middle of the corner exits? Where does it just feel better around the whole corner? Pretty much. I mean, I, I know that's a vague vague uh, description, but coming in with the suspension changes we made, like at Glen Helen on the big hill coming down, I told Bones the day we were testing out there, I don't know how many times he got sick of hearing it, but I'm like, dude, this thing is the best bike I've ever had coming into corners. Hmm. The rear end stays directly underneath me even when you get in those situations where you're kind of leaning and turning and braking all at the same time and the back end wants to kind of slide out it stays right up underneath me it doesn't kick doesn't do anything funny doesn't kick sideways doesn't kick up doesn't do anything it just stays exactly where i want it i know it's going to go and follow the front end right where i put it like into a rut um and then like i said that initial turn in we got um better with with the mounts and then going through the corner and coming out you know with suspension soaking up everything like cornering to me now is fun and right. as weird as that may sound to some like no it's, yeah i i guess that kind of answers my next question it was like which bike do you have more fun on to ride now I, I right now i you know i have to say on the on the uh on the suzuki and then your ktm has worked so people that don't know is just not a stock ktm it has a muffler suspension work Mm-hmm. engine work no no engine. engine stock engine uh yeah. pro circuit system and then uh i had bones do the suspension and a link on that as well i'm working with air fork still uh i don't know we're on a conversion yeah we did a conversion on those so, so spring fork to spring fork which is a nice apples to apples comparison so mm-hmm. look people it's possible yeah i actually when i got the last time i rode my ktm i was like man, I need to probably get my suspension. Maybe I can make this stuff better because the Suzuki had felt, it felt better. Right. Like I don't, like I said, I got to be comfortable. I get to ride maybe once a week. Um, and if I hit bumps these days and maybe I'm a wuss, whatever, and the bike gets a little unsettled, I'm like, yeah, you know, I kind of back down. Right. So I want to not have that feeling. It's the most important thing to me. I don't care if, you know, I don't know why, but, um, and I have that with the KTM. It seems glued to the ground in every condition, soaks up bumps, and it allows me to have fun on it. Right. And that's what I want to be able to do. I want to be able to hop on my bike. With the Suzuki, you mean? Yeah, with yeah. the Suzuki. Yeah. I want to be able to hop on my bike, haven't ridden, maybe it's two weeks, you know, maybe I'm out on a fire or whatever, you know, we get wildfires here during the summer, I couldn't ride for maybe two weeks, three weeks, I get on it, and I'm able to have fun on it. Right. So that's that's the biggest thing, I believe, for, for most of the average guy. So at the end of this thing, guys and gals listening to this, we're going to get you a grand total of parts. And you don't know that. That's your job, by the way. Uh... So Joe is going to get you guys a grand total of all the parts that we, how much money this would have been if we were going to go out and purchase all this stuff. So we're going to really compare the pricing of Yamaha, Kawasaki, KTM, you know, OEM. And then we have this Suzuki. You're going to go buy in a dealership. We're going to get the MSRP on that and then add these parts up to see where we're at. To see where we're at with the bike and not only that, to see where we're at in comparison to other bikes. So we're going to ride that bike when it's done with some stock ones before we give our other stock test bikes back and really dissect, hey, this thing is good, right? So this is the reason why we did this article. We really want to dissect it. Suzuki's been getting a bad rap because it's been getting last and it's not a bad bike. It just needs a little love. So we're doing that over here. Yep. Yep. So there you go. Joe, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for letting me do that. It's been fun. It's gotten me out to the track 
you know, even the days I didn't want to go, I'm like, well, I got stuff to do, so I need to get out there. So, so if you see Joe at the track with some mixed match shit on. I do that um, on purpose just to drive Kiefer nuts. <laughs> go, he's not, he might have like resting dick face, but he's not really a dick. Like <laughs> he's still, he'll, he'll, he's nice. He's approachable. He's a good dude. So if you see some last name, it looks weird. O-E-H-L-H-O-F. Did I spell it right? You did. Boom. If it, and you can't pronounce it, that's Joe. It's German. They drink a lot of beer. That's all I got. It's my only explanation. And you like beer. Well, yeah, it's At good. At times, you do. We could have a we could have a podcast of times that we spent together and things that happened in our lives. Oh, yeah. We got kids now. I don't think we need to go down that yeah, road. no. Until they're adults. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I like to treat people accordingly. You yes. know, if you're nice to me, I'm nice to you. Yes. So I don't think I'm a dick. But. So if you, see, if you see Joe with the Suzuki... Add a track. Go talk to him. If you guys have any questions, hit me up. Chris at KieferInkTesting.com. I'll be there to help you guys. That's what we do here. Personal attention. You can't get that kind of shit on any other media outlet, Joe. Oh, Can't be talking true. to Jody. That's true. You see Jody talking to anybody? Kiefer, I will say this. You are probably one of the most approachable people in this industry. There you go. And I think anybody that listens to this or writes him, he gets back to you, although he may not get back to me. I think if you want him to be approachable, <laughs> like if you, you're my buddy, you, you don't. Yeah, don't it. become friends with him. Keep it at a distance. But, you'll get uh, more out of me that way. Yeah, you'll get more out of him by just keeping it at a distance. <laughs> but anyway, all right. Well, thank you, and uh, that's what I said. Support the sponsors that are on this show. It keeps this sucker running and moving, and uh, get you guys the information that you need. So, thanks for joining us. See you guys over the weekend with the Ricky Brabeck interview. See you guys. <laughs>